Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. your host, Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors, a wisdom sharing platform for all people impacted by an eating disorder. Recovery Warriors provides resources and support to heal your relationship to food, body, mind, and soul. I believe recovery is not only possible, but it is worth it. That is why Recover Strong exists, to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder. Today, I just want to geek out on storytelling. Well, a specific aspect of storytelling, and that is looking at the story arc. And why I want to focus on this area is because I want you to kind of step into this idea that your life is a story. It is you. You are the protagonist in your life story. And I want to do a short introduction to this idea of a story arc that goes so well in, into eating disorder recovery and share one of my all-time favorite poems that really just highlights this idea. You know, and as we embark in a new year, you can kind of think like, well, what are you turning the page towards now? What do you want to really write into this year? Because you do have that power to change things. We all do. And that's why we love stories, because they change. Imagine reading a story that just stays the same the whole time. It would be so boring. As much as we are creatures of comfort and we can be like, I don't want to change. I want it to stay the same. We ultimately do want to see change. We want to see evolution. We want to see us get past our blockages and the things that hold us back most in life. And these change as we up-level in one area of our life, then we're met with new opportunities and new challenges. So the game of life or our story of life never really ends until we write our last page. And even then, we can still have a legacy. Our legacy can be our laughter. It can be the way that we showed up for others and how that inspired them. You know, and when you start to see your life as a story, it can help reposition you in a more objective way to kind of see like, well, huh, like what is this character always getting caught in this? Or what, you know, how would I describe this character? What way do they move through the world? What way do they move through a room? What do they believe about themselves? And when they believe that about themselves, what happens in the outer world, right? So we can look at what the inner world of this protagonist is and how their outer world will shape that and kind of mirror what that inner world is like. And so when we can see that in another, in somebody else, in a movie or in a play or in a story, we can bring in the same turning points that are necessary for that character to evolve to get to the next stage, for our own self to evolve and to get to the next stage. And like in every good story, there will be challenges. That's what makes it exciting. And that's what makes it even more rewarding when you get to the end. And if there are certain parts of your story that you're just like, oh my gosh, I want that to stop, like make it stop you can start to see, okay, how am I going to make this stop? Like, this story is stale. This story is stagnant. I'm done with this story. I want to retire this story. So how do you restory it? How do you rewrite a new narrative for yourself? Because when you change your story, you can change your life. 
that is my ultimate intention to leave you with today is that when you change your story, you change your life. We ultimately change our story through the decisions that we make, our choice points. We come to a fork in the road and we make a choice that determines how the story unfolds. And this doesn't take away hard past memories that could have defined you or put limitations upon you, but you don't have to carry these forward into your future year after year after year. You can slowly start to transform them into new ways of thinking and being and doing. There are many different types of story arcs, and a story arc is essentially the direction that the story takes. So it's a simple idea of a protagonist being in, let's just call this sunshine, where things are bright and shiny and going well, and then the darkness, where things are dark and scary and alone and what's going to happen, I'm unsure of myself. In all great stories, the author plays with these polarities. There's never eternal sunshine, nor is there eternal darkness. So we have to understand that these are kind of waves or arcs that one rides in the story of their life. And as much as we'd want to try to control it, that we would never get down into the darkness, life just doesn't work that way. Everybody has in some way, shape, or form a different fate that they've come in to experience. Some people experience those highs and lows much more dramatically than others. It doesn't make anybody better than the other if they have what's quote-unquote an easier life versus what is quote-unquote a harder life. But the idea is that we all have a life and we all have a story to tell about that life. And if you are listening to this, I know part of your story is your recovery. So this story arc that we're going to talk about today is literally called Man in a Hole. It is the Man in a Hole story arc. And there is even a double Man in a Hole story arc where the man gets in trouble more than once and has to get himself out of the hole. So simply put, the man in the whole story arc is where the main character gets into trouble, then gets out again. So essentially, they fall into a hole, and then they get out of the hole. And it has five basic beats. One, protagonist is in their comfort zone. And so in the comfort zone, it may not necessarily be like a terrible place, but something's missing, or some potential is going to waste. We all know that we don't grow inside of our comfort zone, right? It's where when we step out of our comfort zone is where we see growth. So it can kind of be this safe place at the expense of what? Could be at the expense of your health, at the expense of your wealth, at the expense of your connections. It's safe, it's familiar, but it's limiting. Now, the second beat is when the protagonist is faced with a trigger. So something knocks them down, or there's a turn of events that could be somewhat unlucky, Or maybe there was a straw that broke the camel's back that they were doing something over and over again and finally it collapsed. And that was the final trigger. And then in the third beat, the protagonist is now in a crisis. They are down in a hole. But in stories, this is often where the protagonist finds some treasure in the dark. They learn something about themselves. But this is where they'll find or they'll learn something valuable. It's in this darkness they need to hone the skills to be able to get themselves out. Uh, These could be physical skills, mental, emotional skills. It really is something that shifts within the person in this crisis, in this hole, in order for them to become the person who can get out of the hole. And this brings us into the fourth beat, which is recovery. This is when the protagonist puts what they've learned down in that hole to good use, and they can start to climb out. And then the final beat, 
is when the protagonist is now in a better place. They are in a higher place that they started than when they were just in their comfort zone. So the protagonists are older, they're wiser, they don't get knocked down as easily anymore. And if they do get knocked down, they know how to get back up. So this is essentially the five beats. Comfort zone, trigger, crisis, recovery, better place. When I was doing the background research on this, I found it so fascinating that it's literally called man in whole story arc because whenever I would talk about being in the depths of my eating disorder, I would get this strong visual of me just being in this deep hole, almost like it was like a well, like just this deep hole, this deep, narrow hole. And there would just be light. I could see the light, you know, I could see the light, but I was so far down and the walls of this deep hole were like earthy mud. So I couldn't scale my way out. You know, I'd try and I would like really dig my fingers into this earthy hole and I would just keep going up and up. And then eventually I would just like slide all the way back down. And it felt so isolating and defeating and just like, why bother? Like every time I try, I just slip back down. And ultimately, what helped me get out of that hole was that I got support. People threw down a ladder and I still had to climb my way out, but I wasn't doing it alone. There were people like me that were going through an eating disorder that I connected with. There were professionals who've treated people like me before who were able to help show me the way. But ultimately, it was me who took the steps, me who needed to make the connections, to show up to my appointments, to to do the daily work, the homework, the meal logs, the emotional check-ins, being able to really bring in more self-awareness around, wait, why do I do this? Bringing more self-awareness around the patterns, what was behind them. So all of these things really helped me get out of that hole. So when I started Recovery Warriors, I founded it with four core values, and they remain the same. It's courage, connection, commitment, and compassion. I needed all four of these to get out of that hole. I needed to have courage. I needed to say, this life isn't working for me anymore, and I don't know what the new life is, and it scares me, but I have to take steps towards it, because if not, I'm just staying in this hole. And... I don't really want to be in this hole for my whole entire life. And then I needed to have connection. I need to have people. I needed cheerleaders. I needed to have people say, hey, girl, you can do this. I believe in you. I want to see you succeed because we need those pep talks. We need to know that we're not alone. And then the commitment. I needed to keep trying to get out of the hole as many times as it took me to freaking get out of the hole. (laughs) I needed to stay committed to that process and show up for the daily work until the work that I was doing actually started to sink in and stick. And then the compassion, which is so key to love myself in the mess of the mud, to love myself in a body that I struggled to accept. And this brings me to one of my favorite poems. Now, this is a poem that comes from a book called There is a Hole in My Sidewalk, The Romance of Self-Discovery by Portia Nelson. And I just love that, the romance of self-discovery. I'm like such a romantic. Oh my gosh. I just love that thought that like our own self-discovery work is just this romance, this like way of 
this way of coming closer and finding more intimacy with ourselves and love and uh, passion for, for who we are and who we ultimately can be and just fall in love with the process, the process of getting to know who you are, right? Because we are definitely told who we should be. <laughs> by society or our family or whoever we care to consider in into that equation but ultimately it's like who am i really at my core you know this authentic self that i have and uh how can i fall in love with them more and more and i love this just yeah the romance of self-discovery and i'm just going to read a short section of this book that portia nelson calls her autobiography in five chapters i remember getting this exact poem on a piece of paper in my treatment center well over 15 years ago and it just hitting me and even today as i read it to prep for this podcast for you I was still just like, this is it. This is it for not just your eating disorder recovery. This is for your trauma recovery. This is just for all these things in life that we're growing and we're learning and we're evolving and we're getting better and better. And as we know better, we do better. And uh, yeah, so this book is just a mainstay of treatment programs for eating disorders, uh, for recovery space, for any type of drug or alcohol addiction, just anchors in so well to the man in a whole story arc. So here we go. We have Autobiography in Five Chapters by Portia Nelson. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five. I walk down another street. The end. So what's so beautiful about this to me is that the very beginning, right? So for the first three chapters, the protagonist is falling in the hole, right? Every single time they walk down the same street, fall into the same deep hole in the sidewalk. But the first chapter, the protagonist is lost, they're hopeless, and they have a conviction that it's not their fault. And it takes forever to find their way out. In the second chapter, protagonist falls in. Can't believe that they're in the same place. So is kind of having more of a victim mentality. Like, why me? This happened to me. It's not my fault. I shouldn't be here. This shouldn't be happening to me. And then the story does start to transform in chapter three. When the protagonist falls into the hole, this time with open eyes, right? This is the self-awareness to say, you know, I know where I am, and actually this is my fault. 
Now, this word fault can maybe be triggering for some people because you can think like, oh my God, I'm terrible. It's my fault. I'm doing this. It's like, but the idea is it's more like responsibility. And is another way of kind of substituting the word is like, it's my responsibility. You know, I remember I fell in first hole, second hole. I was desperately searching for my parents to show up for me in some capacity when I was sick. Like my eating disorder was a way to kind of signal I'm not okay. You know, something's wrong here. Something's wrong emotionally with me, but let me show you physically with my body that something's wrong here. And all those cries went unanswered. If they loved me, they would show that they cared or things like that would kind of be deeper within me. Like once again, I wasn't aware of this until I did a lot of this self-discovery work. When it shifted is when I started to take responsibility. When I talked with my therapist about going to this treatment center where I was the one who called my insurance to see how I could make this happen, right? I was the one who had to take responsibility. As much as I would have loved (laughs) that my caregivers took the responsibility to try to help me, it didn't work out that way for me and that's okay. That wasn't part of my story. But it's okay because I took the responsibility. You can take the responsibility along with other people who want to take responsibility as well. Shared responsibility can be a great thing. But the ultimate responsibility lies on you. And that's one of the things about coming more conscious of of your actions, of your thoughts, of your behaviors, of your patterns, is that once you see them, you can't really unsee them. And that can almost be a harder spot in your story because now you do have the responsibility. Because before, when you're just like oblivious to it and you can kind of make it seem like, oh, it's society, oh, it's this, or I don't really have a problem, it's not my fault, I'm just a magnet for this and I don't I don't even know why, I want this, but I get this, and all of this kind of things like, oh, woe is me. It's that storyline, it's that disempowering narrative that keeps us stuck. When we're in the victim, we're stuck. But when we can become a creator, someone who wants to take responsibility, who wants to change things, then we really start to move the story along. The story starts to to speed up, right? This is when we get to the good stuff. This is when you start to work your way out of the hole. And then with more awareness, more consciousness, more wisdom, you can walk down the same street and walk around the hole. Or as we saw in the very last chapter, you can walk down a different street. This is the power of choice. This is the power of knowing ourselves and our patterns and where we get stuck and where we fall into holes. And for all you daily growth habit insiders, I'm releasing a new affirmation tonight on the full moon that really works with this idea of responsibility. The whole intention around this set of affirmations was transforming procrastination into productivity and prosperity. But affirmations really do touch on this idea of taking responsibility for your life, taking that step forward. And it's a beautiful set of affirmations. I I spent a lot of time writing them this morning, and I think they're just great to really help you see that you can aim to be recovered and you can get there. You can get out of that hole and you can be in a much better place than where you started in your comfort zone. And if you are not already a daily growth habit insider, all you have to do is request a free invitation over at recoverywarriors.com slash habit. When you request a free invite there, you will be hooked up with the Daily Growth Habit, which is our growing private library of audio affirmations designed to help you grow through what you go through. And if you are already a Daily Growth Habit insider, 
you'll see the latest track appear in your favorite podcast player. So once again, these are private. You have to request an invite in order to get access. You can do that over at recoverywarriors.com slash habit. All righty. Remember that you are the protagonist in your story and we are starting here with a fresh year. So what are you going to do in the year ahead? How are you going to shift the story? In what way are you going to do something different? Right? As Einstein was quoted to say, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So where can you shift to get a different result in this year? What can you stop doing and what can you start doing? that's gonna make a big change in your story. Because when you change your story, you change your life. Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion light the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this warrior.